Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We were talking all about on the pre-show about how we're old and things like arcades do not exist for our amusement anymore. It's true. I just had my birthday. I'm officially 40 Happy years birthday. old. Yay. Welcome to four zero. It's the best. RIP. That means that I'm officially dead. So oh, I'm sorry. It's true. Nadia is like minus is plus two dead at this point <laughs> or something like that. I got plus two and dead. Beat that, noobs. Also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. Y'all tell me I gotta wait nine years to die? That's a long yeah. time. I don't know. The clock is ticking, my dude. Enjoy it while it lasts. Negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. And we are back after taking a week off, ready to dive straight in to Tears of the Kingdom Reacts, Final Fantasy 16 Reacts, and also the question that is all in our minds, or at least my mind right now. Can Starfield save Xbox's generation? And does it need saving? Let's talk about that. Let's find out. But before we get to that, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It brightens our day and helps the visibility of the show. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for just $1 a month, you get access to our wonderful Discord including our Pantheon polls and lots of discussions, a great Discord, and you get access to the show ad-free, which is uh, really convenient, I think. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Capot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford, and Eric is at Seamoosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. As for bonus content, uh, now available to our $5 patrons, I believe, is our review of John Wick 4 which Nadia, Eric, and I all went and saw. We wrapped up the winter of Wick, talked all about John Wick 4, shared some of our thoughts. Uh, go check that out. The dog was definitely the MVP of that movie, I think, but we had a good <laughs> old time. Yes. Time now to talk about what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the blood god. And uh, we'll start with Eric. Uh, yeah, I haven't been playing much for once in my life. Um, congratulations, I, well done. I know, yeah, well this, done. <laughs> this, I, I find myself in a weird place with, with video games right now because I feel like we're kind of in an in between spot where, yeah, uh, that's what Reb every, was saying. Yeah, everyone's waiting for uh, for Zelda to come out. I mean, even if you aren't waiting for Zelda, a lot of big games like Redfall, Survivor, um, all that are, are kind of on the horizon and we're kind of out of the window of got the a backlog, March. surely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't have too much. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about Final Fantasy 16 reacts because I do think they're interesting. I do want to shout out that if y'all are uh, watching anime for this season, uh, you need to read absolutely nothing about Oshinoko and just go watch the premiere of Oshinoko because it is absolutely incredible maybe one of the best anime premieres i've ever seen in my life what is, is oshinoko I, I, just, I just told you you gotta read nothing about it <laughs> okay okay i will give you like i've done before i will give you the multiple tiers all right all right it's okay. it's on high dive uh here is here is tier one of what this is about this is a show about the idol industry in japan and more importantly, the stark reality of the idol and entertainment industry in Japan. Uh, that is that is tier one. 
if you don't want any spoilers, you don't want to know anything else, just just jump ahead, please. Mm. But tier two, if you do need that hook to drag you in, um, it it starts out with a doctor uh, working out in rural Japan uh, who is a massive fan of an idol. Uh, when one day the idol shows up after going on unexpected leave from her group, uh, and she is pregnant and she has gone to this rural hospital to secretly have the children. That's tier two. Okay. Tier three. If you really don't have the hook yet, <laughs> if you really need the thing to drag you in, I promise you there are more twists than this. But if you don't want to be completely spoiled, go with it's it. It's an isekai. Uh, <laughs> They're giant robots. Uh, the doctor gets murdered. Oh, cool. <laughs> and is reborn as one of the idol's twin children. No. Uh, you, what the Kat hell? Was joking, I think. Okay. And I am not kidding. I am what? dead serious. This is a really good show. It Boy, is I'm hooked really, now. really good. Like, is it on Crunchyroll? It's on High Dive, which I think what is like, High Dive. I, I, it's, it's one of the platforms that is spinning out of all the, the anime streaming consolidation that is happening right now. Um, ah. I did not know what it was. Um, it, it was, it was frustrating enough to find, but I'm telling you this, this setup sounds weird. I know when I first heard it, it sounded weird. I went in with an open mind, uh, what ensues is just absolutely phenomenal and and i'm i'm promise I, I you've not heard even the best twists that happen in this opening episode and it has the most promise of any anime show i've seen in some time it is incredibly good i cannot recommend it enough don't read any more about it just go watch it's oh it sounds <laughs> kind of cracked out it it is it's from the same uh, author who made uh, Kaguya-sama Love Is War, uh, which is also a pretty popular uh, manga slash anime that just wrapped up, uh, which was about like two people who love each other but are too proud to admit it, so they play like Death Note mind games with each other to try and get the other one to admit their feelings, uh, and that's the entire premise of the show. Yeah, it's that's it's romance. pretty good. It's it's pretty pretty good. But I really feel like Oshinoko, it's so hard to talk about with the spoilers, but it goes places that you do not think an idol isekai is going to go. And it, it does is it. an isekai. Ha ha. Got, yes. I got you. Yes. Uh, it's, it's really something else. I, I watched the I watched the first episode last night thinking I was just going to watch an episode of anime before I went to sleep. And I was just awake in the middle of the night like i i can't stop thinking about this this is so good this is so amazing uh so mm. you really yeah if you like if you want something interesting in anime go watch that um, True rwx says more importantly high dive has pat labor there we go that's <laughs> wait that's is it pat stuff. labor or is it pat labor pat labor <laughs> i thought it was pat labor i don't know i, I just remember being on pat teletoon labor. and they called it pat labor i guess if you looked at the Japanese, it would be like paturabor. So yeah, sure. Mm. Da da. Anyway, uh, Final Fantasy uh, sixteen. You want to talk yeah, about that? Yeah, you had some thoughts on Final Fantasy sixteen. I want to hear them. Uh, I mean, so I'd played the preview back in February, and I I was surprised that they did this state of play because I feel like 
we didn't really learn anything too new this time around. Uh, we got to see more powers. We got to see more uh, abilities uh, that Clive can wield from some of the icons like Odin and Shiva and stuff like that. Uh, but we, they also like kind of reinforce some things that people have been asking questions about that I myself was asking questions about, which is how extensive is the party thing. And so they showed that, yes, you can hang out with your party members. You can kind of venture around with them. They will help you out in battle. You don't really control them, but they they do stuff. It, it, it seems like a solid action RPG. I'm actually pretty interested in it. It, it looks really graphically nice. I just think that weirdly enough, I came away from this showcase being like, OK, Maybe, maybe it was it was because, because it came out after it. well you got it, to actually go hands-on with it yeah there, there's that aspect it also was the same day as the tears of the kingdom uh trailer which well we can talk about that in a second but oh my god um that was incredible it's just uh, hard to hit as hard right now uh final fantasy 16 does look really good mm-hmm. it's looking like it's going to be very polished which is a lot more than you could say for uh final fantasy 15 uh, oh, 15. I, uh, hmm. I have yeah, not okay. played Final Fantasy 16. Final Fantasy 15 need a, needed a whole ass, like, giant patch to get to the point of being okay. That was the story, though. Like, they patched there, the story. The open world other, was not amazing. There are other issues with it, but that's mostly that, like, all the NPCs look the same and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was a very barren open world. 16, yeah. definitely looks a lot better by comparison that's mm. not very hard but yeah i i mean i watched it um i didn't have any like huge takeaways from uh watching it yeah the there are the party members as expected they're tagging along but this is all about clive i think that they were intentionally highlighting the rpg aspects as much as they could and maybe kind of de-emphasizing the actual art uh, action aspects a little bit by showing numbers as many as much as possible and talking about the abilities and the skill trees and everything so um i i came away with it from it going yeah this is pretty much what they've been showing uh, a lot to this point and not a ton of surprises but I feel a little more positive on Final Fantasy 16 every single time that I see it. So all in all, it was a it was a fine stream, I think. I think it was just an opportunity for them to, I mean, they literally said themselves, like, sit back and watch Clive be cool. That was all they really wanted out of this, I think, mm-hmm. to kind of really show off how the kaiju battles work, which, to be fair, did look pretty, pretty sick. Yeah, they showed yeah, a big one. Yeah. They just straight up showed it. <laughs> yeah, Titan and whatever the hell Clive is, Ifrit. It, they were showing it, Ifrit, yeah. In some ways, it almost feels like an anniversary game. The way that Engage felt like Fire Emblem Engage felt like it was leaning into the the iconography and the imagery mm-hmm. of Fire Emblem. This feels like it's really leaning back into the Final Fantasy imagery in a way that fourteen does, obviously. But but like as far as like mainline Final characters. Fantasies go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like fifteen didn't have a ton of classic Final Fantasy imagery that I can think of. Neither did thirteen. Coleman's um, Coleman's is classic Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Image. Cup noodle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like seeing a bunch of stuff where there's this giant 
city uh, with a crystal behind it and the the waterfalls that that are roaring and w- with the giant abyss and all that and even just seeing all the icons and and all of them being styled after what I would say is like a very like like, like nostalgic approach to the visuals of the icons they all look like you know Odin looks like Odin Rama looks like Rama uh, Ifrit looks Muhammad looks like a dragon instead of a dragon with like. 60,000 weird ass tentacle wings coming off him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool way that, uh, that it feels like they're definitely getting back to what is final fantasy and how do we bring final fantasy to a new generation? And that seems to be the general approach for this game. So I'm, I'm approaching it with an open mind and, and seeing whether that's possible, because I do think there is uh, a part of me that does wonder, <laughs> Someone someone posted that in the Twitch chat, someone was saying uh, during the state of play that turn based games are for boomers. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my God, the look on Cat well, Bailey's face right now. Guilty as charged. <laughs> I can't argue that. Um, it, it was it was the funniest thing I, I had seen in a while, but I was sitting there like, yeah, I mean, there aren't a lot of big turn based games outside of like Persona and Octopath. Uh, you, you kind of have to go to, to other avenues for that now. And they are genuinely trying to see like, what does an action driven take on classic final fantasy combat look like? I, I think the quote they gave me back during the interviews was something like, we just tried to imagine what it would feel like uh, playing those original super Nintendo games, uh, the, you know, the original final fantasies and, and what it would be like if you were actually controlling it instead of like inputting commands on a menu. Um, and the cynical part of me is thinking, like right now, evil cat is thinking, how do you make Final Fantasy 16 for a new generation? By making it look like everything else. Mm, mm. That's a little unfair and a little reductive, but there is a real sense that Final Fantasy is chasing trends rather than trying to uh, have its own identity. Having said that, I mean, as Nadia has pointed out time and again, it has a great team behind it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It seems very professionally done. The combat designer is first rate. So I have no doubt that whatever comes out of it will be a very enjoyable video game. It was maybe one of the the least uh, exciting reveals of this week, but uh, it it was still pretty cool. It just wasn't that impactful because they've shown so much of it already. Yeah. Yeah. The impactful one was the preview hands-on where everybody mm. was like going. So we're just, and we already, and we got a PAX East thing as well. Yeah. So yeah. We've seen a lot much of this more game recently. I forgot about the PAX East thing. Yeah. I actually yeah. watched the presentation a few days after <clears throat> Zelda. So I think maybe that's why it hit maybe a little bit harder for me. But yeah, I forgot about the whole PAX East thing, which I yeah. also have to go back and watch sometime. We've talked about Final Fantasy 16, but let's talk about the real big heavy hitter from this week, which was the three-minute Tears of the Kingdom story trailer, which was really just run it all back with the Breath of the Wild trailer. Just do that whole thing again. And you know what? It worked again. Yeah, Everybody no, came out going, there. damn, it looks great. Nadia, uh, what, were you, what were your thoughts? Oh, I mean, it looks fantastic. Uh, it actually reminds me of, uh, here's, a, I guess, a, little, uh, a pit ahead of time. Oh, no. It reminded me of the time I saw the uh, I was at the Switch event in New York City uh, with the preview press, in, including uh, Jeremy Parrish, and they, that's where they showed the final Zelda trailer um, for the Switch. And 
I came out of that yelling like that was so fucking cool. And Paris was trying to get me to lower my voice because I kept saying fucking cool in the, <laughs> in the middle of this press event. That but is, basically that's that. a very naughty story. I remember your reaction very clearly to it. Um, I was thinking about the Switch's price at the time. I was like, oh, oh, the oh, Switch is right. in trouble. Lol. Lol. Oh, little I knew. You sweet summer child. Uh, the Switch has, uh, <laughs> Switch has had it. But no, um, I thought it was a great trailer. I think it's just made me more excited than ever for the game, which is hard to even imagine. But uh, yeah, some really cool stuff going on there. I think we are going to get a story. We saw a bunch of really cool throwbacks to other Zelda games like the um, I can't remember the name of the winged race from Wind Waker, but I am so glad they are back. I always loved their design. I thought it was like fun. You mean the birds? Yeah. Uh, is it the Rito? I think. Yeah, the Rito. Yeah. Okay. The heroes was one of the champions. Yeah, they were in Breath of the Wild as well. Okay, how did I forget? Yeah. How did I forget that? Yeah, that guy who looked like Falco was kind of an asshole. That, but, that uh, Falco. <laughs> Falco in there. But no, I'm actually like, I think I like the the little one they had there, little baby one that was cute. But uh, yeah, it's uh, looking good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've watched this trailer 10 times at least uh, by now. Uh, I wrote an entire trailer breakdown so I could justify the amount of times I was watching it during the workday. Uh, <laughs> during the workday. It is so good it is incredibly good there are so many little tidbits and and like questions that get answered and then raise more questions Mm -hmm. uh theories beget theories and i i am so curious because i do have my own personal pet theory about what the story of this game is going to be and what the the drive of this game is going to be and if it is that i am so curious to see how they set it up and how they execute it because it could be just really, really cool. Really, really interesting. Is it Reb's pet theory? I don't know Reb's pet theory. I haven't talked to Reb's Reb about Reb's pet theory involves time travel. My my pet theory involves time travel as well. There you go. <laughs> I, yeah. I think Well, I the think broken general, Master yeah. Sword seems to be a part of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Master Sword plays a key role in my theory. Uh, yeah. But... I, I, there there were definitely teases that seemed to indicate time travel um zelda being in a similar location of hyrule but still like calling for link to come and find her uh link showing up at an undestroyed unruined hyrule castle um mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of uh time wibbly wobbly uh going on and wibbly wobbly timey wimey yeah and Which is really par for the course with Zelda games. Like, there's always mm-hmm. it's very common to have a time travel uh, element in there. It's it likes playing with different versions of worlds, is what I'll say. Because you have like past and future in some games. You have like uh, dark world, light world. You have uh, the different seasons uh, in in Oracle of Seasons. Uh, Zelda definitely definitely likes playing with the state of the world, uh, mm-hmm. and. I think that can work really, really well. I also just love the part where Link uh, builds a giant robot yeah. <laughs> and goes to fight the Bacoblin's giant robot. Uh, it's real dumb. Awesome. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's just battle bots. I, I posted this on Twitter. I was like, could Link have just shot some arrows and taken them all out? Absolutely. But would that have been as cool? No. No. <laughs> so we're going to do the cool thing. <laughs> it looks like we're going to get... Vast underground areas of some sort. We got a mm. brief shot of Link in heavy armor underground with mm-hmm. 
lava and it looks quite elaborate. I don't. And also there was some leaked television footage, I believe. And somebody yeah. was observing that one of the areas is uh, with the elevation is something like minus like 400 or something like that, potentially wow. indicating that there are large underground areas to explore. So that wow. might be the thing that Nintendo is holding back mm-hmm. at the moment. They've been very particular. Uh, they're kind of the opposite of Square at the moment. Square, what, what the blunderbuss uh, Square's mm-hmm. doing the blunderbuss again. <laughs> they have reloaded and are firing the blunderbuss except, once again. Like they except do. it's a blunderbuss of Final Fantasy 16 information. Uh-huh, and there's uh-huh. so much of it that we're just going, oh, cool. We're kind of numb to it, even though game looks great. Um, I was like, cool, neat. Uh, whereas Zelda, like every time Nintendo puts out a Tears of the Kingdom, anything, it just like hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. hard. They did it with the Mario movie trailer, too. Like it, it yeah. was, uh, it was really really fantastic but um as for me i'm playing a zelda right now and that zelda is the legend of zelda a link to the past which i'm playing as part of our monthly game club i just finished up tower of hera oh, which yeah. uh so i killed the little worm guy and well done. Here's, mm-hmm. here are some of my initial takeaways from a link to the past First of all, that game is still really gorgeous, especially on the Nintendo Switch with that screen. Uh, On the OLED screen, mm, Mm -hmm. looks wonderful. I love it. As one of the best opening set pieces. Yeah, still one of my favorites. The storm. On a 16-bit game with a storm, and you break into the castle and rescuing Zelda um, and going, what's going on? There's something mysterious happening. Uh, Fighting through the sewers. Amazing music. The first time you step out of the sanctuary, I hear that overworld thing, which was incredible back in the SNES days because, I mean, you're coming off the Nintendo. Yeah. By comparison, it felt like a symphony orchestra, right? Um, having a blast with the individual dungeons. They're really elaborate even early on, but quite intuitive and relatively easy to um, get through. It's interesting. People like to compare and contrast the Breath of the Wild style with the Link to the Past style. But A Link to the Past, it's it's similar in the sense that you're exploring a a world almost immediately that you have a lot of access to. Mm -hmm. And you keep encountering things that will make you go, question mark, what's going on here? What's going on with that kid who's like running away from you in town? What's up with that guy (laughs) with the sign that's next to him? What's up with the lumberjacks who are cutting down the tree? What's up with the the missing uh, blacksmith? And... It sets up a lot of interesting mysteries almost from the start and encourages you to explore. I think we tend to think of A Link to the Past as being really linear, but it it's not as much of that. And especially, I'm about to get to the dark world. That's where it really opens up. Yeah, gets, it really opens in the dark world. That's where the game really gets going. So having, having a good time with A Link to the Past. Also, I was traveling a bunch in the past couple of weeks. And um, can I just say that Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy uh, Final Bar Line is an incredible airplane game. Mm. Oh, yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a great game. Just get my noise-canceling headphones on. And I've been playing a lot of it, like more than I ever expected. And I'm I'm on the point now where I'm just unlocking a lot of different games. I unlocked Final Fantasy IV. I unlocked Final Fantasy VIII. Unlocked Final Fantasy 13 solely so that I could get lightning. Yeah. 
just yeah. want, just and wanted lightning to run my party. Is great. Music I just wanted blinded by the light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's so mm-hmm. many, so many songs in this mm-hmm. thing. It's almost overwhelming. It's crazy. They just added Saga, the Saga songs to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Near stuff is in now too. In yep. there, yeah, I think Chrono Trigger is coming up sooner or later. There's uh, still a bunch that are that's coming, and I'm hoping they're going to announce more because there's so much more they could have. Oh yeah, um, I just want to say shout out to Indies Zero, the developer. They are one of the unsung developers out there, but they consistently do really wonderful retro work. For example, they did the NES Remix games, which are fantastic. Oh, those are great games. Yeah, those, those are undersung. They are undersung. Um, th- there was a screenshot of Rescue Peach with Peach. I, I love the remixes. <laughs> so you're playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's almost like a ROM hack, but it's, it's just a delightful little challenge, right? Yeah. So, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. It actually came out, as I recall, during the time when mobile games were really on the up and up. And I, I think people thought Nintendo was going to compete with NES Remix, but they, uh, like a lot of great ideas, they just dropped it. Well, they, they did a few. They remixed they one, a couple, two, yeah. Ultimate. I'd like them to release it on the Nintendo Switch. I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. that they haven't. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That's what it means. Uh, Indie Zero also did the really fantastic Retro Game Challenge 1 and 2. Uh, Retro Game Challenge 2, which you can get... Uh, it's been fan-translated. It's just a delightful journey through Japanese gaming history, starting with the Famicom. But they also had the Game Boy... The Super Famicom bottom screen is a couple kids hanging out in 80s Japan. Top screen is whatever fake retro game that you're playing. And they have like magazines like Famitsu that you can pick up and read through and get tips. And you can go to the store and pick up new games. It's so good. It's such a wonderful realization of uh, nostalgia. So the original did come out here. Sadly, it did not sell at all. No, we we have the original. I don't know how much it's worth at this point, but it's probably not, probably not a small thing. Probably not a small number. Big heartbreak. But, Big heartbreak. Yeah, it sure. was uh, extremely charming. Yeah, it's really a shame. Indeed, and I actually have a little bit of time to myself tomorrow. So, oh my god, I think I'm going to sit down and play a video game. Uh, Amazing. I know. Um, <laughs> I could play. <laughs> Amazing. I could uh, fi- finish up Fire Emblem Engage. I could uh, play some Final Fantasy, Crisis Core, Rebirth, Remake, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, I have Hi-Fi Rush. I've been wanting to get into Last of Us Part 1. i got a lot of games on my backlog at the moment. Um, but then I also I keep playing StarCraft, Brood mm. War. Mm. So, yeah. No, so I'm playing games. It's just not the latest releases or always RPGs for the most part. That is what we've been playing. Here's what's out this week, coming April 19th. Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Series for the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. The brand new font. I have to say, also, this is very hard to to pick up. But when you see like the the screenshots going by when they say, we unfucked this game, uh, you can see briefly (laughs) out of the corner... Out of the corner, you can see the uh, marching mechs in Final Fantasy VI that has the, t- the credits are back, baby. Oh, good. <laughs> so it's not just an awkward walk in the snow? <laughs> not anymore. With, with nice music, admittedly, but yeah. Yeah, they should release that stuff on the PC versions, which uh, came out piecemeal. 
rather than as a, a full version together. Um, I do actually really like the remixes of a lot of the songs. They're quite strong. Yeah. Um, actually, the Final Fantasy VI remix they have are really excellent. Uh, I played, not I didn't finish the mobile version of the game, but mm. no, they did fantastic work on those, and I recommend them wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I should play one of those. I'd like to pick it up and play Final Fantasy V, which yeah. is a, a game that... I've played, I've gotten halfway through, but I've never finished, but, it, and it feels like a large gap in my RPG uh, vocabulary, I suppose. Final Fantasy IV is excellent, very short, very mm-hmm. direct, a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if it's the best version of Final Fantasy IV, but it's a, yeah. uh, it's a strong one, I think. No, no, the PSP version's the best, especially since this one um, will not have the extras, which is dumb, but I've been over that. Indeed. Uh, Stray Blade is coming out on the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC on April 20th. It's a, quote, beginner-friendly Souls-like. Some nice art um, and really cool kill animations. Those are the things that stand out about it. And then there's A Labyrinth of Zangetsu, which is for the PC, Switch, and PS4. It's coming out on April 20th. It's an ink-brushed dungeon crawler by Acquire that's set in a feudal Japanese setting. And I have to say that the art style at least immediately Mm. grabbed my Mm. attention. So that one uh, might be good to have on your radar, I think. I think it'll probably pass a little bit unnoticed, but um, I was at least mildly interested in it. Did you all get a chance to watch the trailer? Yeah, I've I've seen that one before. I think I just have uh, some weird personal aversion to the idea of a first-person dungeon crawler that I need to just deal with in my life. I don't know. There's something about it that just like mm. I, I it it I can't get there on it. And I feel like Dungeon Encounters was the solution that fixed that for me and made me see the light. But now uh, nothing else can ever be Dungeon Encounters for me. So uh, there's something about the first person mode that just doesn't vibe with me. I wish I knew what it was. Uh, it might just be the perspective. I hate that it's that small and granular. But have you seen the light? Mm-mm. I have Mm-mm. seen the light. Uh, Etrian Odyssey is great. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it seems wonderful. It seems yeah. fantastic. But something about first person mode, just I don't know what it is. It just me, it could be, journey. Yeah, it could be like either or um i don't hate first person by any means but uh it's very often i'll kind of get stuck on them but when i find one i like like uh stranger uh journey then it really hits with me and of course atrian odyssey i'll probably give this a look if it turns out to get some nice press behind it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that first person dungeon crawler tends to denote hardcore in our mind Big labyrinth, old school energy, dense mechanics, hard enemies. So I can I understand that. maybe a little bit of jank. So, so I can understand why people might be initially intimidated by it. But um, at, at the very least, Labyrinth of Zangetsu has a look, has a vibe. Mm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. And now it's time for a series of random encounters. Matt Mercer will voice Ganondorf in Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, so we get a little Critical Role Tears of the Kingdom crossover. Uh, the Ghost Terra Typhlosion is out in the raid in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Hi, people seem pretty hot, excited about it. It was actually trending on Twitter yesterday. 
Speaking of Pokemon, the anime is back and it's teasing a new turtle-like Pokemon. Also has a new cast. Farewell, Ash. You can rest at last. You can finally grow happy. up and die. You have been released. <laughs> you are free. You won the trophy and you're free. Um, a Wild Hearts free trial is now available. I think that one, some Monster Hunter clone, really passed on the radar by large. Uh, it seems to be quite good. It's just I have literally no interest in playing it. I'm like, oh, if I'm going to play a Monster Hunter, I'm going to play a freaking Monster Hunter. That's how it be. And finally... Time Magazine has named Hidetaka Miyazaki one of the most influential people of 2023, which is interesting because he doesn't even... His game came out last year. No, no Time year. Time Magazine acknowledges that Armor Core is back and uh, oh. better than ever. So. I mean, wow. he's producing it, but he's not really directly involved. Based with no, Time Armor Magazine. Core is back, all right? <laughs> hey, celebrate this. <laughs> I'm never going to diss Armored Core. It's like, know who you're talking to. but Get excited think, for Armored Core Pantheon. <laughs> I would think Miyamoto would be the one that you'd put in there between Tears of the Kingdom, uh, the, Mar- the, the Nintendo Land amusement park, and then the movie, which just... Uh, past $500 million That's and is insane. now the biggest video game adaptation ever. I mean, not just that. Like It was like the opening for like biggest animated opening ever, wasn't it? I think it's going to pass a... Uh, it could pass a billion dollars. Uh, probably probably pretty easily. It's It, it was perfectly calibrated. Well marketed. Yep. Hands, yep. hats off. Perfectly serviceable movie. I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of it's, fun. I, I walked out. I was like, that was fun. That was good. That was moving light and picture. I yeah. That, it, and it was a kid's movie like it, it. I did not have high expectations for it. It did not suddenly surprise me with some deep uh, shifting of my personal worldview. It was it was light sound and Mario for about a cool. It was like 90, 90 minutes. minutes. It was a pretty breezy mm. one, too, uh, yeah, which was. I was really happy about. Um, Thank God. So, yeah. Yeah, no. And everybody saw it. They they didn't completely mess it up, except uh, all of the Kong voices were bad. Every every <laughs> Kong voice was bad. Uh, I didn't, didn't like, like Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. I did not like. I think it was Fred Armisen was Cranky Kong. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think those were both misses. That's that's my one. That was a weird one. one. Yeah. That was uh. They were doing I mean, New York Jew maybe for uh for Cranky. I for guess Cranky. Yeah. I remember walking out of that, and one of my friends I was with was convinced that it was Larry David who was who was Kong, oh, yeah. and yeah, I was like, yeah. "L.A. Jew." Then I, I could know. understand why, but yeah, uh, uh, but... it was it was a very fine movie. Good job. They're going to make another one, and it's going to sell a yeah. bunch. I want them to make a Luigi's Mansion movie. That's Me what too. I actually. I would want. love to see After, that. I would. That's what I want from them. We next. didn't get enough Luigi. And the Luigi we got was pretty good, so I would love a Luigi's Mansion movie or or a Yoshi's Island movie, like one of those two. Uh, that that would be my dream. This is a topic we're going to get back to on the post show. Yes, yeah. But our main topic is: Can Starfield save Xbox's generation, and does it need saving? Here's where things stand right now. The initiative has lost numerous developers and its game, its perfect dark reboot is seemingly going nowhere. Playground Games lost a ton of Forza Horizon devs across two new studios and Fable is seemingly going nowhere. 
343 and the coalition seemingly not doing well. There are no real games in 2022. The Xbox Series X is doing better than Xbox One, but Game Pass's growth has slowed. A friend of mine recently described it as akin to going through a huge list of ROMs, sampling some things for five minutes, and moving on. Redfall, uh, the response to it, honestly, has been a lot more lukewarm than I was expecting. I I thought that it would be good, because it's being made by Arcane, and I tend to trust Arcane. I was like, it's going to be great. It's going to open-world co-op shooter. This is going to be solid. And everybody's kind of like, eh. And uh, it also won't be 60 FPS on Xbox right away. And then Xbox is consistently losing out on third-party exclusives, especially from Japan. Final Fantasy 16 is but the latest example. Has had some small wins, including Pentiment and most recently Hi-Fi Rush. But it seems like, at a minimum, Xbox's generation has not lived up to expectations. So again, I return to my two questions. Can Starfield save Xbox's generation? And does Xbox's generation need saving? I I do think that Starfield does represent something for Xbox in terms of like having a big game, right? Like that's I, I feel like the studio since Halo Infinite, and and that's kind of the important thing to note is that Halo Infinite was felt like their last big game before Starfield. Yeah. Uh, their sort of marquee Two game that they could ago. put up and, and headline stuff. Yeah, not only was it like not, it didn't land well, but it continued to stumble out of the gate and it's had problems and it's so many problems that they have now had layoffs at the studio. Joseph Staten's leaving. Um, there's they're, they're working on something new. I believe uh, Schreier over at Bloomberg reported on that, but it's... I do think they need Starfield because they they need like something they can pin on their their chest and say like we, we did, did this yeah, <laughs> yeah we finished a thing like like wins are good wins yes. wins are good for a, a company I do I do genuinely think that stuff like Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush are fantastic and mm. I personally care more about that stuff than I care about say like Sony's AAA output um, I. I would much rather play a Pentiment type game right now than hear about some it, Marvel Spider-Man aside, because I love Spider-Man as a character, but like I, they'll always it, get you with one of their um, vaguely similar open world games. So like, yeah, yeah. Do you want zombies? Do you want superheroes? Do you want Norse gods? We got them all. They're all the same, but you'll enjoy one of them. <laughs> I, I personally would rather play like a passion project from one of those Xbox studios than I would play some theoretical Ghost of Tsushima 2 or yeah. like the Horizon Forbidden West DLC that's coming out or whatever. Like that stuff interests me more. But it does mean a lot to have those big games that just dominate the conversation because like them or not, like the PlayStation games, the Nintendo games dominate conversation. They dominate mindshare. And I feel like Xbox hasn't had that game in a while. I think maybe they were hoping that Redfall would do that. But like you said, I I love Arcane. I also think Arcane sometimes has trouble getting people to understand what their games are. Uh, <laughs> we saw it with Deathloop where, where 
I I feel like they had to explain Deathloop to the public multiple times because it just wasn't sticking. Because <laughs> yeah. people were like, right. okay, but is it like a shooter? It's like, no, it's, it's like a time loop. There's like some run-based stuff in there and, and you can choose where you go on certain points of the day and things might change and you're kind of experimenting and trying to figure stuff out. But is it a shooter? And they're like, okay, but is it a shooter? <laughs> yeah. uh, that guy's got guns. That doesn't look like Dishonored. And I'm like, oh God, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um and and i think red i'm hoping that redfall is just that they have not found the x factor to put forward because even to me a a fellow arcane devotee i'm looking at redfall and i'm like it kind of looks like left for dead with vampires and i i'm not against that idea i did like back for blood a lot and i'm i'm interested in this but like i i haven't seen the X factor that wins this game over for me yet. I, you know, outside of I'll play it cause I have game pass and that's the thing is, is like yeah. Xbox is just game pass. Yeah, Xbox is, is a service as much as it is a platform these days. So yeah, but I do think having that, that big title, that, that marquee game can help a lot. It can, it can raise the tide for everything at Xbox and hopefully get their, their momentum going. So yeah, I do think Starfield could do a lot. I think it existing will do a lot. Let me put it that way. Yeah. I think regardless <laughs> of whether it's a a big win or not, I do think its existence will at least boost Xbox in the short term. I I agree. Yeah, a couple things. First of all, Xbox really blew it with Halo. They yeah. they wanted it to be the Fortnite or the Call of Duty that kind of held down the Xbox for a long period of time. And the the launch was botched, or the launch was okay, but ultimately they just botched the live service aspect so badly, so mm. badly. It's actually incredible mm. how badly they botched the live. The template is freaking there, guys. It's right yeah. there. It's a good shooter. Not a new which idea. Is the weird part, like I've I've had bad fun battle pass. That. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had fun playing that game. I actually like their battle pass structure a lot because they let you go back and do old battle passes so you can you know you don't Mm. miss it in the time window which i think is really cool and really interesting but yeah like the the playlists didn't always hit they didn't have what i this is a very granular thing they didn't have swat at launch and i love swat swat's how i play (laughs) no co-op no forge it's crazy yeah it, it 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 was a thing that came out and i think it even if it had stuff that you wanted, it gave off the air of we have not finished this game yet. Yeah, um, Starfield and- missing its 2022 window also really screwed them over, like really screwed them because mm. last year ended up being like God of War, Ragnarok and Elden Ring and Xbox was MIA for the most part. Um, I mean, even like it wasn't like the Switch had an amazing year or anything. I mean, what was, what was the biggest game? I, I guess Splatoon 3 was the biggest Switch game to come out last year. 2022. Yeah, 2022. It was Splatoon Splatoon 3 and uh, Uh, Bayonetta 3. Bayonetta um, 3. Kirby, Pokemon. It was Pokemon. It was Pokemon. They had Pokemon, of course. I keep forgetting about that one because I disliked it so much. Yeah. Two Pokemon. And it did incredibly well. So Nintendo had Pokemon, Sony had God of War, Ragnarok, and Xbox had Pentiment. And Xenoblade. Lovely little game that you can't hang an entire. Uh, holiday period around and mm-hmm. it disrupted the schedule and pre- and created a lot of bad perceptions 
uh, for Xbox that they didn't have the big game. But I think uh, the problem is they don't have the anything. Like, we have not heard anything about anything. And I would understand, okay, well, here's even a trailer, for God's sakes. Give me something about Fable 3. I ha- we haven't seen anything or heard anything. Haven't seen since... anything of Avowed well, since I it got told announced. you, Fable's going nowhere. Avowed Not is just going anywhere by the sounds of it. And here we come to the problem of having a conglomerate in the first place. It just ate up all these these companies Hel- and are well, very. The thing with Xbox is they're being very hands off. It's funny that Redfall fans are blaming Xbox for Redfall's problems. That's all Bethesda, friends. That's all Arcane. Like, but Xbox is just like, go do your thing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, EA was also very hands-off for the most part until then the actual studios, like that puts a lot of pressure on the studios to do well. Yes, and exactly. it's a little disjointed. One of the things that works really well for Sony is that it has a structure, an internal mm-hmm. structure, it has teams that it can share between its different projects. It has QA that you can like bring in. And as far as I can tell, Xbox doesn't really have that structure working for it, which is maybe why a lot of these projects keep getting delayed or botched or the rollouts aren't very good. And maybe we're seeing it once again with Redfall, like these studios are very siloed, seemingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a list of Xbox game studios right now, and it's it's wild to look at because they do have a pretty incredible lineup and a varied lineup when you think about it. Cause you have like obviously three, four, three, the coalition, the initiative, stuff like that. But then you also have double fine, uh, which like psychonauts two was for uh psychonauts fans. At least I understand like a pretty good game, like pretty good uh, compulsion, which has been working on something since they finished. We happy few, they still have not announced it. I'm very interested to see what they do because I've heard good things about the way that we happy few turned that boat around. Uh, shouts that feature I wrote for us gamer once upon a time. <laughs> RIP. Uh, Bojang, like like they just came out with Minecraft Legends. So but the Minecraft, Minecraft Le- is like right there, always doing really well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I I did play some Minecraft Legends, and I will How tell y'all, aggressively fine. Like it's 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 okay. It's good. It's it's not gonna like knock the barn doors down. It it, it ain't no Minecraft, but. It, it reminded me of Minecraft Dungeons and that like I remember that. Yeah. Hey, that yeah. If you want to play like that sort of game with your kids. Aggressively fine. Th- as you yeah, said. it does that. It does. Yeah. It, weirdly enough, it reminds me of Brutal Legend. I like that is the one <laughs> game it reminds me the most That's, of, uh, which I did not expect to say in this day and age. But yeah, it's it's like totally fine. But again, we're, we're talking about a lot of games that have come out and have either been like pretty small scale like Pentiment. Uh, a game that I absolutely loved and was one of my favorites last year. I still think about it all the time, but it was a small scale, like double a game, I guess you would say made from a small team within obsidian, or you have games that come out and they're, they feel like they are service ads to game pass, right? It's like this, mm-hmm. Oh, parents at home. Uh, it's great to have game pass. Cause you can access games like Minecraft legends and playing with your kids. And, and that's great. And it Steam does feel Pass like actually a good service. I say I, probably yes. not. Oh, I think it is. No, I think Why? it's a great service. It's uh, when I go through Game Pass, all I see are old games. Just old games. I'm pulling Game Pass up right now to tell you what's on there. It's not on right Steam now. Deck. Doesn't it usually have like I mean, if anything comes out first party anyway, like it's usually 
you know, oh, boy, I, I, not I, I love on playing. Steam I love being able to play 2019's best. The fact that I can't play it on Steam Deck is it's a yeah, big that, negative for me. That, Huge. That's negative. something they need to solve. Um, yeah. Right I mean, now, triple. It's got, hold on. Third party developers <laughs> don't want to put their game on games on it day one because it cannibalizes sales. It's quite expensive for what it offers, and mm-hmm. I have it, but I rarely think about it. Ultimately, like some, I think about it when a new indie comes out, and I'm like, oh, I bet it's yeah, on Game it's good Pass. For that. And then I'm like, oh, cool, it is on Game Pass. Cool, I, I guess I'll sample this game. It's a good sampler, good sampler platter. But is it, is it worth the amount of money that they're charging? Uh, uh to counter you, I'm just going to read the recently added games tab on yeah. uh on Game Pass, which includes uh Ghostwire Tokyo, Wolong Fallen Dynasty, Atomic Heart, Soul Hackers 2, Civilization 6, Guilty Gear Strive, Nino Kuni 2, F1 Those 2022. Those are all old games. Atomic Heart and Wolong came out this year, like n- not that long ago. Like, okay, pretty recent. January was three whole months ago. Heroes on here. Yeah, it. Oh, Luke uh, just came on. I think. That's yeah, a great Shadow ad. Warrior three. If you're into that sort of thing, uh, that's just like recent stuff. And then if you have, like, if you go diving in deeper, you've got a bunch of Yakuza games. You've got I th- is is this real? Is P five R on Game Pass? Yeah, is it Persona is. five on Game Pass. That's value right there. Uh, and and coming to Game Pass, I'm looking at this list, and they got Exo Primal on the way. They got Redfall on the way. They got uh, Minecraft Legends should just hit Redfall or is has hitting to be soon. Good, <laughs> you um, know. Yeah, I I genuinely think that if you don't play it, let, let, let me put it this way: if you're not trying to play the most recent modern games, and you're just trying to have things to play on the weekends. Game Pass is a really good value. Like this is this is something where you can hop on on the weekend and say, I want to play something new and you're going to find something new. Do you stick with it? Do you not stick with it? It's whatever. But you didn't spend sixty dollars in a weekend just to find out that eh, you don't really like Wild Hearts, you know, <laughs> it's, or or you or you end up playing through all of Playtale Requiem and you're like, oh, that was mu- pretty good. How much how much is Game Pass per month? How much is like Game Pass Ultimate it, per month? I think it's like. 10 but it might be 15 now yeah it's like 15 bucks a month yeah it's 15 bucks a month that's a lot of money that's a lot of money for a well i got this giant library i guess and maybe i'll dip in i I suppose like okay if i like that's actually a good deal for example i only have an xbox and i'm like okay well i want an instant library of games i suppose like i could subscribe to xbox game pass and like i could look forward to having starfield on it it's a better deal than like playstation plus or whatever the hell or oh, playstation plus is, <laughs> playstation plus is terrible that's terrible and honestly nintendo switch online is not a good service either still um i have it because i want the uh all the retro games but i'm a weirdo that's me okay point conceded Xbox Game Pass is fine. Um, it's bad for your bug. It's, it's definitely not what I think Xbox wanted it to be, which was a dominant service, the Netflix of games, that everybody that would drive a ton of interest in Xbox. And the reason is it just doesn't have the exclusives and the excitement around it for the most part. Um it it was missing the Starfield 
last year. And it's just hard to drive a ton of interest if you don't have the games. If that's, if that's one takeaway that I have from this generation so far, it's it's the game stupid. I'm reminded of that every time. And Xbox was all about the the services like Game Pass and cloud gaming and like let's have game have our games on every platform and sony's like we're just going to keep putting out our successful games and oh yeah we're going to make them into tv shows now too and one's a winning strategy (laughs) leverage that ip baby yeah yeah like i was saying earlier they need that marquee game they need that thing that's like if you get uh xbox game pass you get access to blank free right like and it needs to have that sort of word of mouth too because that was how netflix got big was yeah it wasn't just that they had series but you had people talking about how good those series were and and you know stopping at the water cooler to talk about stuff like orange is the new black or or you know show that we can't talk about anymore because of certain reasons but involved a president (laughs) wait what show house of cards Um, oh that one yeah uh haven't thought about that one in a while but because it, it was one of the early like Netflix standouts, but it was yeah. one that really like made an impact and, and got people talking and were like, oh, I should I should have a Netflix sub. And honestly, like that is kind of the problem we're seeing now with most streaming services is that everybody's got their series. Everybody's yeah. got their must watch TV and we're just back to the cable wars again. But Ugh, tell me about um, it. We don't have that in gaming right now. And I think part of that is that Xbox just does need that like whatever the orange is, the new black is for, for game pass. The reason to get game pass instead of just buying the video game you want to play. Uh, because I think that's what a lot of people are doing. I know like that's what I've done several times is I could get something on game pass, but I also just buy it on steam because I want to own it and play it on my steam deck and stuff. So this is an RPG podcast and obviously Xbox went really in on a RPGs. Um, mm-hmm. It, struck a deal to get the persona five the best versions of the persona five remasters mm-hmm. on its system it uh it acquired several notable rpg developers um most notably bethesda of course mm-hmm. and obsidian and in exile and but those rpgs it, like it has fable under development at playground games mm-hmm. but those I thought those RPGs would materialize before now. I I kind of figured that they would have a major RPG every single year. And I don't know where Avowed is. I Starfield is just now finally coming out. I don't know what's going on with In Exile at the moment. I don't know what's going on with Fable at the moment. Um, Uh, Outer Worlds 2 is in development. But like which game? Wild Ar- Outer which Worlds game? 2. Outer Worlds yeah. 2 is in development somewhere. Yeah. And um, we've been waiting yeah. a while. I, I know that the pandemic has been very disruptive. That That's a big piece of it. But I, I, I do think that I was expecting something. Um, I, I wasn't expecting to wait this long, I don't think. But hey, RPGs take a long time to develop, right? Yeah, but usually there's some word of where they are sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once in a while. It, it feels like 
Xbox has been charging up the spirit bomb for a long time and everyone's just waiting for the spirit bomb to drop. And then we keep getting like a next time on Dragon Ball Z moment. <laughs> where... Dragon Ball Z. More of this. It is. And to be fair, this is not just an Xbox problem. Like I think Sony honestly ran into this a little bit already this year where Sony has one game for this year. It's it's Marvel Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. so far, a lot of their focus has been on third party games, which like Final Fantasy 16 is a console exclusive for Sony. And that's that's why they're putting on a state of play and they're rolling out the red carpet is like, heck, yeah, we've got that console exclusive. And that's helping them buoy stuff a little bit, even though they they did lose a big marketing partner in having a Suicide Squad delayed into next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, but it they even have like the exclusive i i remembered when i saw the the redfall stuff i thought back to when baldur's gate 3 got announced for playstation 5 that it's coming to playstation 5 and obviously people were asking okay it's coming to pc it's coming to ps5 why is xbox is this like a mm-hmm. deal did sony strike a deal and larian got out there and delivered a quote that was just like we haven't announced xbox because it's not in a place where we feel comfortable announcing it yet there isn't yeah. a deal in place but i i believe uh Sven was out there saying like hey we can't get some of the stuff we want working working right yet uh I think co-op was the specific thing that was cited and we'll announce it when we announce it but that's just another one that that is missing Xbox that could have been a mm-hmm. big get for them um, and that's the and- thing is it that touches on the Xbox Series X by raw numbers seems more powerful than the PlayStation 5, but it seems like the PlayStation 5's underlying tech uh, architecture might just be more developer friendly and especially faster and long term that might be playing out. And I think that there have been some versions of Xbox Xbox games like a that game that we're not going to talk about uh, that is maybe uh, I believe is has been described as superior on Xbox, but mm. um, you know, developers I've talked to have suggested that they kind of prefer that, that they feel better about the PlayStation five at the moment. Mark Cerny like made a big point of emphasizing speed, 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 speed with the yeah. PS five. It, it does like, I've talked to some developers like at PAX and stuff recently, and it just does feel like we're moving into a weird place with development um, where those kinds of goals are shifting. It may not be the same as previous generation. That always happens, right? Like we, we swap over and we kind of figure out what to do with the new hardware and where development is going. But for all the talk about the raw numbers of series X, it does feel like the PS five is the thing coming out with, their big impressive stuff, which again feeds back into the situation of Xbox needs that marquee game. It needs that thing. That's like, Hey, play it on Xbox, get your series X and, and, and boot it up and play it. I think they were kind of coasting for a while when everybody was doing the multi plats and the cross gen. And Mm because then it was more obvious that series X was, was very powerful and very good. Now that we're getting into the realm of a more, defined line between the last gen and this gen uh yeah ps5 is kind of running away with it a little bit and well, they need uh, they need that Starfield. it's not expecting this um and then also this is the year where we're finally going to start getting unreal engine 5 games which yeah kind of waiting yeah. for that's kind of where the generation is really going to get going um 
in my viewpoint. So I think we'll learn a lot when that actually happens. Uh, I like your spirit bomb analogy, Eric. They have been charging that thing up for for ages. And actually, I think long term, Xbox is probably playing the the right game. There's some interesting underlying numbers about uh, millennials like video games. Uh, Gen Z does not seem to be as into consoles and even younger audiences seem to care less than that. So there's, it's entirely possible that PlayStation is the right, they're the winner for right now, but 10 years from now, especially if the the Activision Blizzard deal goes through and supposedly they're going to open up their own app store uh, to compete directly with like Apple and Google. What if Microsoft puts Roblox on Xbox? Oh would my that, god! Would that be like as an exclusive? That's all my nephew and niece, my that's nephews what I'm and saying, niece play is the looming, Roblox. the looming beast of Roblox. Roblox. <laughs> it's not looming; it's already memes. a beast. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like what? One of the most morally bankrupt games of our time. Oh yeah, Roblox. I know. <laughs> Um, oh, depressing. oh boy! Shoutouts to People Make Games. If if you want to learn some more about Roblox, uh, go watch the People Make Games YouTube channel. And, and oh, that's great! We did a we did a whole last feature on uh, on IGN.com as well. So okay, okay. And, and and go to IGN.com. And IGN.com. You can go there too. It's a little site you may have heard of. I worked trying- on that video for a year, Eric. Okay. Okay. <laughs> go. You have to. You have to do cats thing, and then go to people make games. But support support journalism is what we're saying. <laughs> um, I actually have a question. What if Starfield mm-hmm. is bad? Then we have a real problem. <laughs> That's the exact reaction I'll have. <laughs> then I think somebody on the upper echelon of Bethesda is drinking a special wine that they don't wake up from. I don't think it's going to be bad for what it's worth. I um, I don't. I don't think it has a capacity to be bad. I know that sounds nah. weird because every game can be good well, or be bad. You may have bad. heard of a little game called Cyberpunk 2077. We're like, there's no okay, way this game is bad. Even Cyberpunk had its <laughs> defenders. Like, that's the thing. Even to this day, Cyberpunk has its defenders. And uh, the, the narrative spins around. And now I'm waiting for Phantom Liberty to come out and, and all the pieces to be like, actually cyberpunk's good now and like oh, it, it just it, i might as well write a skeleton right now it's it's predictable but uh it's i i don't think starfield has a capacity to be even fallout 4 a game that i don't like was was solid on launch and it sold well and it did well and people played it did people like gush about it the way that they do about other games not necessarily. And a lot of the conversation was about how Fallout 4 was pretty disappointing compared to Fallout 3. And nobody liked that colony settlement stuff either. And and your pal running up and be like, a settlement's under attack. <laughs> uh, but it'll still be enough. It'll be something. I think it's just a matter of, is that something? The Spirit Bomb for Xbox. Is that when it, it lands and, and kills... Is Sony Frieza in this in this analogy? I think Spider Man will outsell Starfield. Well, oh, Spider Man's going to do really well. A, partly because Game Pass will cannibalize some of the sales, but and also I, I think that I don't think Spider Man's going to be on PC initially, like right out of the gate. Um, but and Starfield will be 
but maybe that won't matter. Whatever. Uh, Starfield, um, I don't know if it's going to drive sales in the way that Xbox is expecting just because it's a new IP. It's sci-fi. Fan- sci- fantasy does better than sci-fi for the most part. Um, if it gets really strong word of mouth, it is coming out at a great time. I think September was the right time for that game mm-hmm. uh, to come out. One thing I uh, I can't get over is just how much hype Diablo 4 is generating. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's Boy. um we posted a story about uh the, the Diablo 4's beta learnings mm-hmm. and it did crazy numbers. Crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I I'm stunned by the amount of interest in Diablo 4. Stunned. Yeah, it feels really strange because Diablo Immortal just got clowned on, right? Like it just got dunked on and deservedly so. And uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected kind of came and went. It wasn't bad. It, it just kind of like showed up and people were like, yeah, that's a new version of Diablo 2. It looks really good and and moved on. But there is something about Diablo. I think Diablo in general, because I remember there was a lot of fervor around the launch of Diablo 3. It it destroyed my Dota group. <laughs> <laughs> It is something about that series that people just play it and they're like, hmm, it helps that Diablo 4 is a good game by all accounts. Everything I've heard about the actual game is is people are very happy with it. Uh, but also it's I don't know, it's it, it's just a thing that people want right now. It, you know, it, it's it's that type of game that I think people get hungry for every summer where you can just go and hang out with friends and run through dungeons and build characters and, and get really into Diablo. And it's, it's like the right amount of engagement. It's the right amount of, of what you want out of a video game. And it just, it hits at a time when I don't think you really have alternatives to that. You don't have other things that you can play. You can play like, Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, that's not Diablo though. No, it's not Diablo. Like, like, and, and that's the weird thing is there's so many games that are trying to do what other games do so many games want to be the apex killer the Fortnite killer the valorant killer all that uh there have been some attempts to try and make a diablo but none of them have ever hit as hard as diablo and there is some sort of magic secret sauce that blizzard's got that just makes diablo hit a little bit better than everything else so much so much nostalgia for diablo 2 yeah yeah like exile is is mm-hmm. the one other thing. And I will shout out the Diego uh, over at Polygon had a really great write up on path of exile in 2023. Uh, but it's even that just, it's, it's not Diablo, you know, there's yeah, something about Diablo feels, feels wrong. It's mm-hmm. for the hardcore, but it's very successful. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting conversations. Final thoughts on, uh, an Xbox, um, where we are, where we're going. Um, I think, you know, uh, short term, seems like Xbox. It's hard for me to imagine Xbox really turning it around uh, this generation. It reminds me a little bit of the GameCube days where I would be like, but Link- Wind Waker's coming out next. That's going to turn things around. That's the big yeah. game. That's yeah. the one that's going to get everybody to buy this this thing. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. just uh, PlayStation 2 just kept rolling right along. You know, that seems like where we're at right now. Switch and PS5 are rolling right along. And Xbox is uh, around, I suppose. I bear no ill will toward Xbox. I, I own have, an Xbox, I Series, have an Xbox X. Series X. Xbox Series X, yeah, me too. 
I subscribe to Game Pass. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Starfield on a personal basis because that's like my that's my game. That's my jam right there. Loved Hi-Fi Rush. Mm-hmm. All in all, I think I just had higher expectations. I thought that all of their acquisitions would come together this generation. I thought that they were going to put out like a stream of killer RPGs. And as you said, Eric, they're still charging that old spirit bomb. And I'm waiting for them to actually do something. Yeah. (laughs) That that little guy's going to do something. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking (laughs) that. Second time we've referenced that this week. uh, Listen to the John Wick 4 special. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, I... I really do like Xbox. I I think they are my number two in my heart of the big three this generation. But uh, I I want them selfishly to have that big win with Starfield because I want to play Starfield. I, I hope it's it's good because I just want the Expanse RPG that I think could be absolutely amazing if it gets done right. Uh, but also, you know, they they encourage these small projects like hi-fi rush and pentiment that do work really well and are a cool value add for game pass but it 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 does need that like big swing and i think they're just they keep taking hits on the chin you know like the redfall thing was was rough it was like like that that was the moment where it's it's ultimately a pretty small thing in in the grand scheme of everything but it just felt like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, that was the one thing where people were just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and for some reason, that was what set everybody off. That was just enough. And so I I do hope that Redfall turns out okay, that Starfield turns out great. I, I want to see some wins because I do think that the studio lineup Xbox has is really incredible. But yeah, they're they're still just charging the spirit bomb. And, you know, maybe they, they come out swinging. They have they're showing a lot in June. They have like a full on direct and then a Starfield direct after it, which to me says they have more to show than just Starfield. So maybe, maybe they're rolling the red carpet out and June's going to be big. And uh, they're going to have, I mean, hi-fi rush was a situation where we didn't hear about that game. And then it wasn't out today. Like, yeah. like go play hi-fi rush. And I'd love to see more of that from, from Xbox and some real surprises and fun. But, uh, yeah yeah the one thing that's been a win for xbox has been xbox series s because it's actually done very well as a skew as an inexpensive Mm. entry point for the generation not a more than a few people buying it specifically for like the bedroom television you know to be able to play and yet a little bit of a poison chalice isn't it because it seems to be it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, seems to be impacting the development of Xbox games and I don't know at, at the very least it's making things a bit more challenged. Can you can it, can I imagine Unreal uh, Xbox Series S being able to run Unreal Engine 5 games? Uh, 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 I mean it runs it runs Fortnite, right? Uh does it? I yeah. mean probably. Does it run it well? Uh I don't know. I've never played it. That's on, also on kind of like fooling with their own engine kind of like mm. nintendo fooling with their own engines you know what i mean yeah yeah so it'll be a bit different when it gets when applied stalker to 2 comes games. out will it be able to run that 
uh mx becca's in the chat says series s runs Fortnite well so oh, there we go there you go yeah oh also yeah. Fortnite. welcome mx becca's it's nice to have you here um nadia final thoughts uh yeah basically i just want to see something out of them because this is a whole bunch of legacy or even just good developers who are under this kind of uh curtain and we're, we're just all kind of waiting to hear something from them and uh it's never good when there's stagnation in the field you know what i mean so hmm. i i was looking forward yeah, i to, want sony to be challenged yeah and Nintendo i was looking, to be I challenged. Was looking forward to like okay here's where all the western rpgs are going cool let's see what they can do and then time ticking by and as you know eric said a dragon ball z episode stretching on for another <laughs> 10 episodes and yeah just uh who knows what we'll see at the state of play that they're doing the slash direct or whatever they have in mind uh could be we're all going to be eating crow in sooner or later so uh yeah who knows spirit bomb has hurting, to drop sometime there you the thing go that's hurting my heart a little bit is playground games seemingly low-key falling apart i don't know yeah, like, yeah that's really that's really disappointing i was thinking playground games it's like oh cool well they make forza horizon really cool open worlds there so Maybe they'll, who knows what to do with an RPG. This, this could be really great, and uh, they're having troubles. A car PG. A car PG. Come on, car <laughs> P- RPG in the car universe. You get to play as uh, McQueen. <laughs> well, who I are you think... fighting? Mater goes crazy. Mater goes crazy. He's going to kill uh-huh, God. Uh-huh. So you have to, just, <laughs> you like have to join him. You, you have think to join you're a Mater barbarian, but you're not. <laughs> to kill God. Or you go against Mater and his quest to kill God. It's the, uh, you know, it depends which you play Paragon or a Rogue. Which is which? I'll leave you to decide. It's got town building elements because you're rebuilding that that little town that they stop at in Cars 1 and you're kind of building it up over time. Like like, uh, Iodin Rising. Uh, So you're building up the stores and shops that the cars run. Uh, you build up your party. You augment them with parts that, that on, make Microsoft, them better. Come on, Microsoft. Your answer yeah. is right there. Yeah. God. The Cars <laughs> RPG that we have been craving. And of course, there will be romance. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. We Social links are critical in the Cars world. <laughs> Social links of the Cars world. <laughs> we're, we're proud to announce all the romantic options for the Cars RPG today. <laughs> it would do really well, too. It would it <laughs> oh god the sickos part. would turn out for that are you kidding me uh what's the name of that big fan fiction site um ao3 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 uh, there has to be car cars uh fiction on ao3 oh, I don't right doubt it. cat there is okay that's all i'm gonna right say is there is. really pit i have to say ka-chow <laughs> okay that's our discussion about <laughs> xbox what are your thoughts? I want to hear them. Send me an email at cat at bloodgutpod.com or send me a DM on Twitter at the underscore catbot. And now it's time for the Pantheon of the Blood God Revisit, the segment in which we revisit a previous game that we put into the Pantheon or did not put into the Pantheon and ask ourselves, did it deserve to be in the Pantheon? Ahead of our special, which is happening next week, the big, the big one, the Pantheon of the Blood God revisit. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I, I believe I was expressing some doubt about whether or not Fire Emblem Three Houses deserved to be in the Pantheon after playing Fire Emblem Engage, which uh, I loved in my heart. I love Fire Emblem Engage, and part of it is because Fire Emblem Engage lays bare some of the gameplay faults 
of Fire Emblem Three Houses. If there's one thing I don't really want to do, it's to go back to those maps because they were kind of boring, I have to say. What are your thoughts? What say you? Does it still deserve to be in the Pantheon? It's a, that's a hard one because, as you say, the gameplay and Engage is so brisk and so good and the maps were really enjoyable, whereas I don't even remember the maps from Three Houses, which to me means they weren't too offensive or too good one way or the other, but... Three Houses also had really, really great story behind it, really great characterization. Not to say that, you know, Engage's characterization is bad. There's some great stuff there, too. But it's really <laughs> built up in uh, in um, Three Houses. So, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a call, all right. Three Houses has such a good cast and, and such incredible routes. I love that it's a full-on route game where there is not some golden path or true end, but like true. you just have to make a choice and live with it. And it, it really changes your game based off of that. But also I think the writing in that game is, is phenomenal. I think the characters of that game are just so memorable, like just mm-hmm. honestly my favorite fire emblem cast. They're still like up. fan favorites by far of any fire emblem characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think the they're, setup, they're the ones who still it, see people drawing love and Edelgard and Claude and, all Dimitri, of them, Bernadetta. The, the saddest boy, Dimitri. Dimitri. <laughs> he starts him. out so beautiful and golden. He gets so sad by the end. <laughs> it's so terrible, but fun. Um, yeah, so, and even the the setup, the mix of that sort of um, sort of early dating sim uh, by way of persona management, where you're kind of doing all this different. Oh, I'm going over here. I'm talking to people. I'm setting up events that we're going to do. We're doing classes. We're building numbers and then having that feed into the fire emblem stuff just was a natural fit it, it mm. worked for that system very well so much that i did honestly end up missing it in engage even though most other fire emblem games play like engage like that's the way those games yeah. play but something about three houses and the way it all flowed together just worked really well it got you in a good loop and yeah i i, I think three houses it's funny i've seen people argue that uh awakening they have similar feelings about awakening that it's a game that saved the series but also kind of changed it forever and i don't think three houses is is that yet we haven't seen that bear out yet but it has kind of just created this vision of fire emblem that now a lot of people have and want for the series and that they're going to have to either never do again or 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 just go all in on sure did do better than fire emblem engage yeah, but I I genuinely just really love Three Houses. Is I think everything about it is so good. Is it significant? Uh, still, like our the three part test is always is is it still relevant? Does it have mm-hmm. that special something? Uh, the relevance, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. One of the best Switch games, and you know it's only four years old. Four years old is a surprisingly long, long time. Oh my god, uh, special something. The cast definitely, and the the route the route tree. Mm-hmm. Um, is it significant? Um, you could argue that it's the game that pushed Fire Emblem to a new level. Yes. And also, like, this is Eric's weird test of, again, I pay attention to what people play on their Switch in the airports. Whenever I see someone with a <laughs> Switch out at the airport, I, I observe. Because I'm just interested. Well, like, what yeah, do people who, who played Switch and who mm. aren't, like, game brain poisoned like me, like, what, what, do, they, what do they play? And... 
I've seen Fire Emblem on mm. on the switches of people who do not look like they would play the anime weeb school game uh they're playing fire emblem and i think that speaks to it hit the right notes it did the right thing i do think it became not just a a good title for the series and for the switch but for a breakthrough to certain people of a game they would enjoy uh yeah it's i i think it's absolutely significant i definitely think it's one of the best games on the switch so well, that's the Pantheon of the Blood God revisit. We're going to be doing our, our the, the Pantheon Thunderdome in a week's time in which we revisit the Pantheon games and decide, reorder the Pantheon a little bit, decide whether or not uh, what, what the Pantheon should be looking like. So look forward to that. Nadia, take us home. I recently had an episode of Retros go up about um, Kat. You'll know what these are. The World of Power books. Oh, Did boy. Did you have those? <laughs> I read the Ninja Gaiden one. Okay, so yeah, what and these were. the Castlevania one? Yeah, there was a Castlevania 2 one, all right. Uh, what these were for our friends at home is that basically uh, in, from 19... 19- I'd say it was quite early, 1985 to 1988, like basically when Nintendo started to become a thing in North America, uh, you had quote unquote FX9, who was a cl- uh, just a, a, a pen name for a bunch of writers who wrote these World of Power books, which are narratives of old NES games, and we're talking about NES games that did not have much of a narrative to begin with. Like, how do you make a book about bases loaded too? I don't know if somebody managed sports, to do it. Uh, sports anime. That's what they did, apparently. I never read it. That's the one I never read. But uh, yeah, we have um, we had Ninja Gaiden as well. And this is also, they. this was like the 80s. And so they airbrushed all the offensive, like potentially violent stuff off the covers. So I think the Ninja Gaiden, yeah, I've, I've said this before. They took, they took Ryu's sword away from him. No, his dagger. His dagger. He could hold his sword behind his back because he couldn't see it there, obviously. But uh he had his dagger. And what I was kind of thinking of is how this was not the first, but only the first of, sorry, this is not the last, but only the first of many video game adaptation storybooks that I bought as a kid, going as far back to like some really bad golden uh, adaptation of Super Mario Brothers. And I also had the, uh, you know, the adventure, the Choose Your Own Adventure Mario books as well. And Teachers would always give me shit for buying these just because it's like, well, not real books go to heck. I don't mm. know what you want me to do. Like, there are words on the page. It dumbass. I'm reading them. <laughs> what do you want from me? Look, I love I'm you- being these are formative books for me, teacher. I need to uh, I'm building myself as Nadia right even here. as a kid though like i love to read so it's not like i was reading nothing like and it was because these whole books the the worlds of power books were actually made to get kids to read to i guess trick them into reading like hey kids mm. you like nintendo well you like reading too i swear to god and they, got, they gave some contract writers some work they probably yep. knocked them out in an afternoon like, pretty much a lot of those writers are still around doing writing stuff like you do a paycheck is a paycheck you know but of course if i was a kid i'd be like yeah i, I would write a mario book for free and it would did i, I want to know like if you guys had any like because i know as i grew up 
even before games became mainstream, there came a, a time when games with more complicated stories actually started having book adaptations come out around them, like series even. And I never really got into any of those. Like there's ones based around, shoot, probably like, you know, Halo and stuff like that. Like I never got into anything like that. Did Follow Breach? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. I, I avoided video like game that. books for the most part. Why? So, They're fun. I was too busy reading Star Trek books, Star Wars books instead. Those What's were the difference? I, uh... Well, they tend to be... I'm joking. Well, well, Nadia, I think Star Wars has a better <laughs> world than a lot of than Halo. That's that's a starting point. That's fair. Um, I can go with you on that one. Yeah, I, uh, I never, I never read Halo or anything like that. I did enjoy the Ninja Gaiden two comic that was embedded into the strategy guide of uh, the Nintendo Power back in the day. It was actually a great comic. It's just a straight up retelling all of the cinematics from Ninja Gaiden two. Oh, I didn't know that. I have to yeah. look that up. Uh, th- that was when they went kind of harder on strategy guides. Um, my other right. favorite thing is they did a full-on Star Wars Expanded Universe nov- novella as part of the X-Wing strategy guide from LucasArts. That's um, pretty cool, actually. And it was a good story, too. Like, both of them, the X-Wing and TIE Fighter stories, both excellent. So, um, yeah, so that, even though that's Star Wars still, it was still based on a game, so. No, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. I think they did the same thing with Shadows of the Empire, which, of course, was a novel and a game, but Nintendo Power wrote, a ran, transmedia, like, uh, one of the first transmedia projects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does anyone yeah. still talk about Dash Rendar? <laughs> no. Uh, some people okay. do. Uh, low, low rents Han Solo. <laughs> low rents Han Solo. That's I mean, what I knew. He, my... is. he is, though. Like that's what I knew. Also, my TV was was uh, giving up when I rented Shadows of the Empire. It was so dark that I couldn't see shit. I would fall into the, the sewer level. I was like, "Well, I'm not playing anymore because I can't see where I'm going." It's like, <laughs> "Hey, can we have a Han Solo? We have Han Solo at Solo home. At home. <laughs> Han Solo at home. Dash Rendar. <laughs> Poor Dash. Poor Dash." So I came into this pit, wanted to talk about video game books, and we t- exited talking shit about Dash Rendar. You're welcome. Mm, mm. Classic pit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that's it for this episode of Axel Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Cap Bailey. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Capot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. And Erica's at Seamusi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod, where you can get access to tons of bonus content, and also an ad-free version of the Acts of the Blood God. I want to say thank you so much to our Stars of Destiny for joining us this week on the show, as always. And we have some new faces here, um, including Akayos, Anthrax, Bees, Drew RWX, JB, Not Hollow, Mango Alts, MX Beckas, Shareable Texas, and Spirus. Thank you all for joining us. It was a, it was a lively chat. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Oh, and Wah just showed up too. Hello, Wah. Uh, we are going to be heading to the Axe of the Blood God post show now, which is available to our Stars of Destiny, talking about various things, maybe falling even deeper into the pit that is Axe of the Blood God. And speaking of Axe of the Blood God pits, uh, go check out shop.bloodgodpod.com for lots of cool merch as well. We'll be back as always next week. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventure. Mm-hmm.